Welcome to Budo, the Way of the Warrior podcast. This podcast is a collection of historical and philosophical references, contemplations, lectures, and exchanges with David M. Valadez, his students, and guests. Podcasts are recorded on the mat at the Ascension Center in Southern California and in studio. These podcasts are provided to cultivate the warrior on the way and to add light to their path. All right, let's have a conversation. Most of you have been training for a while, but it, it's always important to have an orientation to your training. And the reason for this is, goes back to that one rule, the sick mind cannot heal the sick mind. So the mind that you're understanding your training with is not the mind you seek, okay? So periodically, you have to take a compass reading. Does that, does that make sense? Okay. So let's have a very basic conversation. It's basic, but it's, it's difficult, okay? It's difficult because the way that the um, first mind aspect works, okay? Um, what we want to understand is the, the what of training and the why of training and the how of training. That is the compass reading, okay? We don't want to just show up. We don't want to just exercise. And we have to understand that the first mind aspect in many ways will seek to reduce the art to just exercise or some other worldly aim. Why does the first mind aspect do that? Go ahead. Yes, okay, so there's a, like, like in all things in nature, there's a homeostatic energy that resists transformation. It keeps it where it is, okay? And the ego tripartite is no different than anything else in nature. It, it is not a deviation of nature. It is an aspect of nature. So um, my ego identity, my dichotomous worldview, my preferential behavioral patterns all work together to not allow their functioning to cease, to keep that going, okay? So things that um, work, such as the way or Budo training, to break that or deconstruct that are resisted through this homeostasis. So you have to expect you have to expect, and, and as a teacher, I expect it. You're going to do, not consciously, not out of ill will, but just out of this nature. You have to expect that you will resist the training. It won't be in an overt way. It'll be in a very positive way. You'll, it'll be with good reason and for good reason. Um, 
It will even come with pleasure. It'll feel good to resist self-transformation, okay? So we have to be ever mindful of that and do what we can to understand it, but to work our way around it or work our way, our way through it, okay? So one of those homeostatic natures or elements is, hey, just exercise, okay? Just exercise. Um, we don't have it here in this dojo, but it could be where you get sidetracked um, through the delusion of modern symbols to what they represent. Like you don't realize there's a gap between those things. So for example, your homeostatic energy for your ego tripartite will have you pursuing ranks or titles uh, or anything else worldly, fame, uh, but it would include things like self-defense, um, martial prowess, anything worldly, okay? is going to keep your pride in place, your fear in place, and it's going to keep your will to power functioning, and it's going to keep that ego tripartite uh, continuing on with its complete, unaware grasp of your being so that you remain unchanged, okay? So let's figure out what are we doing here, okay? Does someone want to take a stab? You could even say, "I'm." this is what I'm doing here. We're practicing the skills release. Okay, the skill of release. All right. Where do we practice that skill? When we're facing injuries. Okay, that's a place where we, where we practice it. So can you elaborate on that? Where when we're facing injury... Or struggling with an injury, I think you might mean. Okay, so when when we're experiencing injury, an injury, struggling with an injury, and we can practice the skill of release. How so? Trying to uh, deal with the uh, ego response of wanting to be out there in the mix and feeling like you're missing out on something, and yeah, just feeling like you're missing out on something and wanting to get back into it with everyone else. Okay. And so where would the identity be in, in there? Remember, the ego tripartite functions through these three things. We, I've heard the preferential behavioral pattern. I'd rather be out there. Okay, so we got that. Where does the ego identity function in that incident? Anyone can answer. Yes. Okay, and where is the dichotomy? On and off the mat. So do you see I have a on and off the mat? And we experienced this, and I let you guys experiment with this um, when the first COVID shutdowns happened, remember? Do you still have a practice without a mat, without a dojo, without a teacher? Um, because for many, the, the answer is not really, maybe, do, do you see? Um, but is, would we, can we even call that a mature practice? 
you know? Let's say we get in an accident the next day, tomorrow, and uh, I lose the use of my legs or I, use, I lose the use of my body. Is the skill of release no longer relevant to me? Might it be even more relevant then? Okay. So the dichotomous practice that draws the distinction between on and off the mat, you can see, is reifying the ego. Who are you? I am an Aikido practitioner. And right now I am not because I'm injured. I'd rather be on the mat than off the mat. But all of that is working to keep you, you, right now. The you, you are right now is all working. But it sounds so positive, doesn't it? Do you see? I, I will be more if I could get on the mat. So it's obvious why I feel less when I'm off the mat. You see? It's not going to be um, so obvious when the ego tripartite is functioning. You, it's not going to be like, you know, scary, scary mask and, and, and dark shadows and, you know, uh, terrifying mood lighting to let me know when my ego tripartite is functioning. You have to be on guard the other way. It's very positive. It's very positive. So if you look at the history of religions, you're going to see uh, various trickster deities, okay? And this is ancient civilizations telling you this very fact, okay? What leads you astray is, is that. It's this positivity so to speak. You can't wait for it to be super scary. So some, you know, some, um, some, ref some obvious references to this are, you know, the trickster Loki would take shapes of other people. Do you see? He would take shapes of kings and other gods, and, and, and he would appear to be something he wasn't, right? But he was never working for you, but it, it would trick you that, that he was. Or you could take the, the idea um, in, in medieval Europe of, of Lucifer, where Lucifer is beautiful, the most beautiful angel, right? Um, the brightest, the, 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 his name is reference to light, right? So you have Luce, um, Lucy, Lucille, all those are, are references to light. He's the brightest, you see. But in his brightness, in his most like God, so to speak, he, he is the trickster and he is the furthest away because of that, okay? All this is ancient cultures telling you, hey, don't expect your, your ego tripartite to be obvious in its functioning, okay? So we have this skill of release. Um, how do we develop it? How do we develop it in our training? Provoke a, a situation or an environment that would trigger uh, an ego reifying, ego tripartite um, behavior. And yeah. Good. So we need, we need uh, times in our training 
wherein we're provoking um, attachment or that ego tripartite functioning, which always works through attachment. So you have the ego attachment, right? Um, so our training has to trigger it, but uh, we get triggered all the time. Do you see that? So it must trigger it in what way? Okay, uh, so it's got to be that I can actually train through it. So if you take, for example, um, it's, very, it's very in vogue today, especially uh, in people who don't train and people who think they train, to uh, want to see full live training. Do you see? Just, hey, that guy's trying to get you. Defend yourself. Do you see? Um, but what comes out of that usually? Mode. Yes. Yeah, you're just in survival mode, you see? Training is not actually possible um, because you yourself are not observable to you. Do you see that? You just are in survival mode. Now, a lot of people mistake that if you survive that, then you're, then you're doing good. But that makes some sort of universal metric out of the person you're fighting you see? And that person might just totally suck. And so that's probably not the best measurement. It's probably um, not very sound reasoning to say that your small dojo pool houses you, uh, the can of whoop ass, and the uh, perfect measuring stick or metric uh, by which you know you're the can of whoop ass. You very, are, you very likely are just a uh, the biggest fish in a small pond. Doesn't make you practical, practically martially sound, okay? So we need it to be trainable. So we have to actually stay away from survival training. If you look at survival training, what training is that? What, what is being manifested in that moment? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, it's just more ego tripartite functioning, do you see? So your fear and your pride are triggered. Uh, the will to power functions. It's just functioning fine. Um, and if our skill is the skill of release and it's the release of the ego tripartite, this type of training serves no purpose whatsoever, okay? And the idea that it, it, it defines martial practicality is just delusional because it's, your sample size is too small, okay? Even if you go, well, compete, 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 your sample size is still tiny. It is still tiny, okay? And we see this sentiment in the Book of Five Rings in Musashi at chapter one. Who, who remembers where we can see it there? Let's see what you remember. Yes, go ahead. Yes. And then he, it was the next 30 years where he is uh, observing himself and reflecting and measuring himself against something greater than the small pool of his opponents, do you see? So 60 duels to the death or near death, let's say, um, here is a master who, go, who realizes, who sees through the delusion of the sample size, okay? Um, so... We have to produce an incident, let's call it an event. We have to produce an event where 
there is our natural inclination or that homeostatic inclination to attach. Do you see that? And it must be in a controlled um, environment such that it is actually going to train me. So it has to be observable. Do you, do you see that? And then the next thing is that it is at a level where I can actually uh, implement my cultivated self, not my survival mode, okay? What's the problem with that? What are we trying to get away from? And then, you know, we already said that. I'm trying to get away from the unaware functioning of the ego tripartite. It's going to trick me. What's the problem here? Okay, so how do we do that uh, often? Anyone? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so rather than address the event, we try to manipulate the occurrence of the event. Okay. So, we we do these pauses, we do these stops, we pick smaller, lighter ukes, we muscle our lighter, smaller ukes. Um, all of this is now, now I, I did not do the skill of release. In fact, I just did the ego tripartite. So this is my criticism of big, big, when I call big man Aikido. It's a big man Aikido because all it is is, a, is the unaware functioning of the will to power, the, the fear threat cycle is, is operating and you're just, you, you believe in the delusion that if you could just overpower this situation, overpower this person, you would be fine, okay? But it's not true. It's not true. So some of the things, for example, or, or as you say, uh, or as you said, if, when you stop. So this is why I'm very critical of any time Uke is stopping, do you see? It's not only that it's martially delusional, like you're just, this is a wet dream that this fight stop. I define a fight in two, two ways. Do you remember what they are? Anyone? Yeah. Take a guess. Yes. Okay, so that a fight will move and anything is possible except not moving, right? Um, outside of that, I can't say anything else about what a fight is or is not, okay? So people who talk about, like, that's not realistic, like, people do that all the time, um, you know, uh, especially in Aikido, um, because there's no real professional class to Aikido, do, do you understand? There's not a group, there's not a large population of Aikidoka who go, um, you know, my job now is to go out and into harm's way and use my art. Do you see that? So they're all armchair theorists, okay? And they hear somebody who said this and they said that, and this is just the way of the, the world today, right? Via the internet. So, you know, they know, they know what prison people talk, uh, attack like, you know? So that's not how you attack with a knife. How, how many times have you seen those, 
those discussions. That's not how they talk like a knife. And you could just go one officer assault call after the other where the officer is feloniously attacked. And it's, oh, that looks perfect. That looks just like a ski. That looks just like Shomenuchi. Oh, that person cocked their hand back like, like we do in a traditional ski, right? They're not coming up and doing your little sewing machine, right? Um, because they're not making these little two-inch blades out of razor blades or freaking uh, toothbrushes or something like that, right? You don't, you don't have to do uh, your kind of sewing machine crap when you have a longer than a six-inch blade or, or what have you, right? You get that thing in the organ, and it functions just fine. Additionally, people are conditioned by Hollywood, and that's how you attack in Hollywood, so they attack like that. Uh, and also just it's... It goes with a social behavior. You want to put everything into your attack, and so you wind up and you go for it with that thing, right? So it's really not uncommon that people attack with shomenuchi, yokomenuchi, and ski when they're using a knife, okay? This is, anything can happen. Can people do, do the sewing machine stabbing? Yes, they can. Will they move? Yes, they'll move, okay? Will they do the sewing machine stabbing without moving? No. That's not possible, okay? So these are the two elements of, of a fight, okay? So um, as, as you stop, do you see, as a nage in an event in training where you're, you're causing a controlled moment of attachment, and you stop, do you see, the, it's not only martially un unrealistic, but from this mind point of view, where is the problem? What also stops? The body stops. The uke stops. The naga stops. What else stops? All the forces that were okay, but before that, what stopped? The mind stopped. You see, the mind stopped, and this mind is stopping. Why do you think? Okay, before that, it. it it, it has lost awareness in a deeper sense, but it is experiencing the world how? Dichotomously, do you see? You have you, them, early, late, high, low, left, right, do you see? And it's functioning through the part of the mind that can understand that dichotomy. So which part is that? The intellectual part, right? And the intellect cannot move at what speed? speed the speed of life. It cannot move at the speed of life. And so you want to stop and slow things down. Do you see? Why? So you can process the intellect. Why? Because you are functioning dichotomously. So the real problem with stopping uke, yes, it is martially unsound, but... From this mind point of view, it is also nothing more than the ego tripartite continuing to function. Do you guys understand that? Okay, where do you think you experience that stopping more in your training and where less in your training? You experience it more in Jiwaza. Okay, and then for where less? In Kihonwaza, okay? So... In my kihonwaza, you can function through the ego tripartite. 
do you see? And in fact, at the beginning phases, uh, as at the, the phases where you're being introduced to the technique, right foot here, left hand there, you, you get it? Touch, hold the elbow, enter now. That you probably do need to implement your intellect. Do you see that? But in Jiyuwaza, it does not function. It does not function, do you see? The, the governing aspect of Kihonwaza, where time and space are controlled, uh, allow for the intellect to function. Meaning, it'll work. But in Jiyuwaza, where time and space is not determined until it happens, do you see? In Kihonwaza, I know where you're going to go and where you're supposed to, do you see it? It all works out. I can, I can stay, where, stay ahead like this. But in Jiyuwaza, I have to stay in the moment because only the moment is manifested. There is no past and there is no future. And the intellect cannot, cannot function here. Okay? So, which two types of training, Jiyu or Kihon, are going to be better for generating that attachment event, GU, okay? And which two types of training, Kihon or GU, are going to be more central to this cultivation of the skill of release then? GU, okay? You, you therefore... Where, what do you say um, the percentage, if we were to do it? Let's just, I'm going to ask you this question different ways. What do you think should be your percentage between Kihon and Jiyu then? If, if my goal is to cultivate the skill of releasing. I, I guess it depends on which phase. If it's beginning, intermediate, or advanced. Okay. So where do you, what do you say? Okay. And then as that goes on, being at advanced levels, um, GU would take most of the percentage, like 90 or 100. Okay. Who, who has a different opinion? Anyone? You all have that same opinion? I mean, you don't have to go, actually, it's 27%. You know, do you know what I mean? But who has a different opinion? Go ahead. Okay, so let, let's, uh, let me try to summarize these two points made right now. So uh, your point was at the beginning, you're going, you should have a greater percentage in Kihon, and as you, ad as you advance, then your, percentage, your greater percentage should be in Jiyu. 
And then uh, your point, correct me if I'm not getting it, but I think you're repeating the, the, uh, the training law, where if this training is too much above me, such as GU, various GU environments might be, then I can't really perform technically. You, you'll go into survival mode, for example, okay? Um, and so what, should, what do you think the teacher should do? Okay, um, and so it sounds so reasonable, but let me ask you some questions, okay? So what you're picturing is you're going to have beginner class, right? And you're going to teach 75% Kihon, and then what do you think is going to happen at the 25% when you go to the 25%? Crystal Island could be triggered. Okay, or who could, let's go deeper. You must, you, you have this experience. You have done Kihon for a long time. What happens when you go to, the, to GU? Do you do 25% GU? Mm -hmm. what, you, what? You can't execute. You can't do it. You get, you get 0%. Do you see? <laughs> do you get it? So it sounds nice. We, what do we do instead when, when, let's say, the teacher goes, now we're going to do GU. What actually happens? Yeah, you're just still doing Kihon. Do you see that? Okay. So um, we're going to get to the answer, okay? But th th this should poke holes in that theory, do you see? Okay, because um, where in this model of, of yours, and I'm just you because you said it, okay? Uh, where in your model is the catalyst for transformation? Internal to you or external to you? It's external. Did you see that? It's in the pedagogy. That's what you think, um, because you're a good modern. So you go, you go to school, and then you're, you're supposed to learn. Do you get it? But we know it's not true. Okay, so let's answer why it's not true. Okay, why, if I do 75% of my training time in Kihon, am I not able to finish that last 25% as GU? That's right. Okay, and do you want it to add? I was just going to say a different variation on that in terms of the mind not being addressed. Yeah, the, that, because the intellect, the first mind aspect, the ego tripartite, functions per perfectly in Kihon, right? To a, to a degree, right? Um, and all that happens is it usurps the GU, and we just do Kihon in GU. You see, uh, and if we up the GU, so we go from let's say, okay, you're going to come in with uh, um, this is some of our early GU was so okay, slow motion, okay, not fast, nothing fast, um, but you're not taking any falls. They're throwing you, or you're just keep going. You just keep pressing. Do you see? And uh, it's going to be from katata dori. You see, and when you do that, because we as Nage, we don't move the same way every time. As long as Uke is doing that, they're not open to the same technique every time. Do, do you get it? Um, as long as we move different every time, just that alone, that Uke 
will not be open to the same technique every time. And then you add to it the fact that the uke, it doesn't always attack straight on. They're at different angles, do you see? And they're at different mice depending on where they came in. There's enough variation in the energy cue that uke is giving that sooner or later, the technique you want to do does not fit with the energy that uke is doing, even in the lowest level entry of GU training, do you see? Um, and that's where we deceive ourselves that we're doing GU, right? So we muscle, we do big man Aikido, we push on this, push on that. Uh, and all, we're, all that is happening is the ego tripartite is functioning without our awareness, okay? We might even feel good about it. Oh, I got you, Uke. I threw you hard that time. Or, wow, I thought I was a goner, but I wasn't. You know, you'll feel good about it. But it's still just ego tripartite. It's still just ego attachment. It's still just will to power. It still is the, the fear threat cycle, okay? Um, and I don't practice releasing. I just practice the attachment. That's all that happens, okay? So what do I do? What do I do? Do we, do we up it? Do we go, you know what you need? 95%, right? Or you go 5% Kihon, 95% GU. Let's say you go 100% GU. Okay, what will be the problem? You're either failing all the time or you get really good at bringing the intellect into it. I don't think so. Who, who is, I do, all I do is GU. I don't have any Kihon. What's going to happen? What are you going to do when you don't know what to do? <laughs> yes, you're just going to be in survival mode, do you see? And uh, this becomes interesting because remember my teacher's definition of fear. What was it? Yeah, fear is not knowing what to do, okay? So do you think you're, so you're like, that doesn't make sense. Okay, when you don't know what to do, do you think you're going, and the attacker is coming, do you think you're going to be the emotion of happiness? No, it's the emotion of fear, do you see? So if, if I go, if you go, well, my 75% Kihon, 25% GU doesn't really work, well, let me go all GU, I'm, no, I'm not really better off. Okay, um, and now let's go back to that catalyst question. Where is the catalyst of transformation even in 100% GU? It has to be, but it's still currently external. But the catalyst has to be internal, okay, which means it's not related to what I'm doing and what I'm not doing, okay? It's how I'm doing what I'm doing, 
Okay, so what really marks the advanced practitioner is not, if we say we're here to train in the skill of release, what marks the advanced practitioner would be what? You got it. And how would I know who has the higher skill in release? Go back to your yours. Yours is it. I was gonna, uh, I don't Go for it. Okay. Okay, yeah. So they could implement it in the Kihon laws of training. They could implement it uh, in their relationships with the etiquette or with the teacher or when executing weights or when doing Zoom. Good, okay. But I think you mean more than that. So let's point it out. So your, your original answer was that you're going to produce these events where attachment would happen. Do you see? So if I have a million dollars and I have a dollar in my hand, and I go, hey, I'm not really attached to this dollar, here you go. Is that a high skill of release? No. If I take, and I go, here's my 900,000, do you get it, 99, and I keep the dollar, is that, would that be more release? Yes, okay, so when we talk about producing an event of attachment where I get to see that myself attaching and I get to practice the skill of release. What are we talking about? Breath? Breath of application? What would you say? Depth or intensity of application. Do you see that? So the skilled practitioner is someone who can practice release under Kihon Waza or Anji Waza. Do you see? And the, the catalyst for transformation is internal. Okay? Um, do you guys understand that? So you, you can't, you can't, it doesn't do you any good to divide your curriculum because this is all external and it's, it's you, you're looking, you're barking up the wrong tree, okay? I need to, to figure out in a way how I don't have Kihon Waza and I don't have Jiyu Waza, I just have releasing, okay? You could say, you could do it, you could do it the other way. Um, but I, you know, personally, my poetic flair is to say I don't have kihon waza. I only have ji waza. So I'm doing ji. I'm doing kihon with air quotes here from a ji waza mind. Okay. Is that spiritual? You're nodding yes. Why? Okay, let's, let's ask some basic questions. Um, I mean, this is the question, is Aikido spiritual? So if we define Aikido as the cultivation of the skill of release, uh, just to jump forward in summing up our conversation here, okay? And, and now we're asking, is Aikido spiritual? And if that was Aikido, we're asking, is the skill of release spiritual? Okay, and what you're telling me, it's spiritual because you use the spirit with the body and the mind. What is the spirit? 
Isn't that the next logical question? This, we're, ta we're taking compass readings, do you see? Okay, so what is the spirit? What do we mean by that? Okay, good. And so what kind of theology is this? Apophatic. Apophatic. Right? Yep. Okay, <laughs> apophatic. Right? And so so you're good. You're you're you are able to repeat the lessons that you have learned, okay? So w who can define what is apophatic apophatic theology? Okay, do you got that? And so um, pre-modern cultures going way back used the negative concept a lot, okay? So and often us moderns experience this as it can't be discussed. It's beyond language. But you, you used it in the right way. In other words, I see that I am a, th a thinking being. I see that I am a material being. But there still seems to be more of me that is not captured by my mind and my body. And whatever that is, that's what I call my spirit. Okay? Um, well, what is that? What, what, what is my mind and my body? And what is this other thing that somehow I have access to that somehow is part of me? Okay, so you, we're, we're, not here to we're not here to be a jargonite, so we're not here to play a language game and go, well, I can't tell you because it's beyond words, okay? It, has, it still does not defy reason, okay? Um, but you used it in the right way, but we, we have to go deeper. I have given you answers to what is that thing that is beyond language, beyond these knowable things of mind and body. What, what is this other thing? I know it's not the ego tripartite. The the, the, what we're calling the second mind aspect, okay? And what have pre-modern cultures also called this? Some other one. Oh, Jung's calling it the unconscious, okay? But that's not pre-modern, that's modern. Okay. Part of a idea of possession. Yeah, so God consciousness, God, Holy Spirit, Kami, um, this this um, the 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 Atman and versus the Brahman, all, all of these kind of things, your true self, your Buddha nature, do you get it? There is a part of us, um, so the teaching goes, uh, that is not of these other things. Okay. And what is its nature? It's, um, it's not dichotomous. Okay, so it's everything the ego tripartite is not, okay? So it's not dichotomous. There's no sense of I. And I don't require the preferential behavioral pattern, okay? So this means when I'm doing GU, I don't feel 
the separation between myself and Uke. I don't have a desire to do something to Uke. I don't have a desire to avoid Uke having done something to me, for example. Okay? Um, and this is what makes Jiyu, Jiyu. I have to be able to release that ego tripartite. And once I release that, this, what we are calling here, but which is beyond words, the second mind aspect kicks in, okay? And I lose time, I lose space, I lose division. I'm basically in what scholars of religion would call an ecstatic state, okay? Which is a loss of self. It's not ecstasy, like you go, feels good. That, that's, that is um, modern degeneration of the word, okay? And the, the state of ecstasy is a loss of sense of self. And you have all experienced these, you know, maybe not all, maybe not some of the kids, okay? But maybe you have as a kid. Maybe, um, you know, it could have been in a moment of joy when you're just laughing your heads off with your friends. Um, there's some sense that you, you, you don't sense the impermanence of that moment, do you see? Um, or it could be often um, in, in moments of, of dance or moments of romantic uh, intimacy. Thing. We lose track of time. We lose the division of ourselves. You know, we have a sense that I, I feel like I've known you for forever and that we've, you know, I don't know where I stop and you begin, this kind of thing. Or maybe you're looking out at, at a, a natural scene, the ocean or a sunrise or something like that, and your consciousness just expands. It, it, it races through um, the alpha and the omega, do you see? And it, it maybe, though, it just lasts for a second, Right? What the budoka does, since this is a skill, is the budoka is able to enter that state at will, with agency. Do you see? That's, that's why it's a trained state. That's what you're training for, okay? And uh, if we look at the word spirit... Um, and it's got a bad rap now, but in a weird way, no. Do you see? Because, but part of the reason that it doesn't have a bad rap is related to why it does have a bad rap. Okay, so people will, people are very, uh, they're good materialists. As moderns, they're very good materialists, and they would not agree that. Um, yes, I have a body and I have a mind, and there is no aspect beyond my mind. Do you see that? So they would see, for example, um, that sunrise, or they would press their lips upon their uh, first love's lips, right? And they would picture themselves calculating this experience like an IBM, okay? If that's the case, I can tell you their lover goes, man, you suck at kissing, okay? Um, there, it's very, very important to them that there, they be nothing beyond that. And so they start to 
that ego tripartite starts to define their world experience in a way that there is nothing beyond that, do you see? Um, but on the other hand, you have people who are also good modernists, uh, not only materialists, but secularists. And um, they will be anti-religious. And as they're anti-religious, somehow they're pro-spiritual, okay? Um, all that has nothing to do with us. That is a sign of our cultural fictions that's going on right now, power games that have nothing to do with the true seeker of the way, okay? The fact remains that the materialists and the secularists cannot do Jiyuwaza, okay? <laughs> Uh, they do Kihon Waza. And I don't think it's any accident because the, the, in, in modern, uh, like the United States, or where Aikido spread. You see, Aikido, Aikido spread through um, the modern nation states first, and, and it makes its way uh, because it follows the money. Do you see? It always follows. It's like COVID. It follows the money first, do you see? Uh, because those are the trade routes, do you see? It's the trade routes. And so those are where the airlines go. Those are where the shipping lanes are. They follow the money, okay? And so Aikido follows the, follow the money first, and that's how it's in Europe and it's in the Uni United States, and, and then it starts making its, its way uh, around the world overall. And in some places, they don't even know what it, they have never even heard of it. Do you get it? Um, so... Uh, in those areas of the world, what you see is either a total absence of Jiyuwaza. They, they don't practice it. Or when you do see Jiyuwaza, it's that 25% that's actually just Kihonwaza. Do you see? It's no coincidence, in other words. It's no coincidence because to do Jiyuwaza, I cannot function from the first mind aspect. Do you see? And I have to learn how to enter into an ecstatic state in order to stay up with the moment, in order to function at the speed of life, in order to function in the face of an attack, in the face of injury, do you say, in the face of failure. I can't be functioning through the ego tripartite. And if I don't allow for the existence of any other aspect of myself, I just fail over and over and over. It's highly unlikely that you're going to continue Jiyuwaza, right? You're just going to do Kihon. Let's just do Kihon, right? If we take our understanding so far, if the more skilled person is more skilled in release and there is more evidence of release in Jiyuwaza, rank should be based on Jiyuwaza, but it's not. It's based on Kihon Waza, right? They should be able to go... Here's a uke you know nothing about. Here's your live training environment. Let's see you earn that shodan. But we don't. We're like, oh, ikkyo, shomenuchi ikkyo, shomenuchi nikkyo, shomenuchi sonkyo. It just goes on and on and on like that, right? Do you understand? Do you see how this is working? Okay. But this catalyst, again, it has to be in us. It's in us, all right? So what model... Uh, what pedagogical model are we using here? When I'm functioning, when my training, whether it's, so, whether it's a GU drill or a Kihon drill, when I'm functioning through the ego tripartite, what training am I doing? 
shoe, you're doing shoe level. When I'm functioning through this ecstatic state, what level am I doing? Ha, okay? And when these two are integrated, right, seamlessly, what level training am I doing? D, okay? Okay, very, very good. Now, we're back to, is this spiritual? Is this a spiritual practice? Okay, and we go, well, if I get to my second mind aspect and I enter at will these ecstatic states, it is a spiritual practice. What does that mean if I don't? Then it's not. Okay, then it's not. So if I remain um, at shoe level, and I can only remain at shoe level, is it a spiritual practice? No. Okay. And what would be a greater indicator whether my practice is spiritual or not? Kihon or Jiyu? Jiyu. Okay. You can see it in Kihon. You can. But it's not readily observable to most. Okay. In other words, the master can look and see, I see the attached mind. I see the ego tripartite functioning in that ego. But most people don't. Most people, including the person doing the technique, right? They don't think they're pushing. They don't think they're muscling. They don't think they're afraid. They don't think they're contesting, do you see? But, but they are, okay? So it really is up to us, the individual, it's not up to the teacher. It's not up to our class schedule or our curriculum um, on whether we make this art more than just exercise, more than just ego reification, uh, and not allow it to be usurped by the ego tripartite. Do, do you see that? Okay. Well, that's bad news, right? <laughs> because... Who's, who is, if I'm responsible, right, when I don't achieve it, who is the reason why? We are, right? We are. Not my, not my teacher, not my art, not my curriculum, not my dojo, none, none of that is, okay? So we really can't then wait for these external things to fix us. Okay, because there's nothing wrong with the external things. It's how I'm doing them. It's how I'm relating to them. Okay. Of course, it would help if my uh, teacher is capable of this release skill and this entering into ecstasy. But it's not necessary. It's not necessary. It's helpful, but not necessary. Okay. I was looking at our training as a dojo cho, and it really feels like there's a sense that you waiting like good students to have this thing bestowed on you. Like, you're going to learn it. If you keep coming, you're going to learn it. But we just said, no, that's not, that's actually not what happens. 
the opposite happens. Okay. Um, so I, I have my two sons here. And I said, hey, do you guys want to watch a, a movie? It was a movie that I loved as a boy myself. It was Vision Quest. Have you guys seen this movie? Okay. Have you seen this? Vision Quest? Okay, we need to have a, a potluck movie night and watch Vision Quest, okay? So, uh, Vision Quest, who knows what a Vision Quest is? Does anyone ever heard that expression before? You can take a guess at it. Yeah, go for it. Or maybe a Native American or indigenous uh, yeah. rite of passage. Yes. A, young man, a boy would go through uh, and hopefully on the other end come out a man. Yes. Okay, good. Did anyone want to add to that or...? You're good with that? Okay. And who, using what you have learned here, uh, what's the problem with boys? They're asocial. They're asocial, right? They're, they're asocial. And so cultures have found ways of socializing boys um, into men, like uh, not men like a grown-up boy, a person who's 18, uh, in pre-modern cultures, it, just as it was um, a status to go from a girl to a woman, same as going from a boy to a man, or even uh, synonymously, a boy to a warrior, do you see? Um, you take all that male toxicity and you kind of cultivate it in a way that it actually works for the community. Okay, So you would have this rite of passage, and most cultures have rites of passage. We moderns do not have rites of passage, right? Um, it's just legally when you're 18, you know, you're a man now, you're not a boy anymore, right? But rites of passage actually happen quite, quite younger, right? 14, 16, uh, around there. So the idea here, each, each uh, indigenous culture or uh, you know pre-modern cultures did it differently. So this is kind of generally it, all right? You would practice your ascetic practices, right? So you would do your various types of practices wherein your, uh, you would um, be calibrated for that ecstatic state, okay? In, in a way, your Budo training is analogous to that. You are being primed for the ecstatic state, okay? So they would do that. Uh, tribes would do it different ways. Cultures would do it different ways. But it, it would not be all that different. So there would be a, uh, an extreme, an extreme uh, aspect to everything you were doing. So sleep, deprivation, fasting, exercise, fear things, you know, things that would scare you, pain, all these kind of things. Uh, because our ego tripartite is, is really uh, attached to those things. And so you can produce the event, the attachment event. Do you see that? And that's what's happening in your GUAZA. Even though it's tame, you experiencing it as threatening and as, as injury potential. Do you see that? And pain causing and all that. It's, it's creating that attachment event. And in the attachment event... If you go deep enough, long enough, you're going to have to let go, okay? You're going to have to let go of that ego tripartite. And when you do that, the ecstatic state happens. So you have the ecstatic state, 
and you experience that loss of self, okay? And it's not uncommon in that loss of self that uh, you see things that you normally can't see with the ego tripartite, okay? And hence, vision quest, okay? So this movie is about a wrestler, and it takes this idea of a vision quest, and it kind of modernizes it, you know, it's really, you have to watch, watch the movie with this in mind. It's so much more enjoyable. There's a guy, he's a high school wrestler, and he feels, uh, he just turned 18, so that's the man age, do you see? But he does not feel like a man, and he feels like he hasn't made his mark is an expression that he made, right? Um, he's in a culture where there's no rite of passage at that time, so he, he makes a rite of passage for himself, he, um, he, the state champion is in his state, is, is in his school district, okay, but wrestles two weight categories down. So he decides he's going to drop two weight categories down, and he's going to beat this guy, okay? And in these, in, in the way that mythologies talk about the archetypes of these visions quests, when this warrior, this boy who's going to become a warrior, sets out uh, through these ascetic practices, there is often also a journey. You have to get from here to there and back again. Okay? And the problem is that over there, and the thing that's stopping you from getting back, is some monster a dragon or a giant or a minotaur or something like that, you see? And so this boy, that this competitor that he's going to wrestle, in the movie they make him like a monster. I mean, he is a beast. He is so much more muscular than everyone else around him. And the first time you see him in the movie, um, he's carrying a huge log on his shoulders, and he's walking up the stadium steps right and he's just going and he has no emotion they make him that he's not human do you see no emotion and um the main character um he sees him and he's all he he goes hey and says something to him and he kind of just looks up at him you know kind of snarls like a beast and he's all do you think you'll make the weight and he's all, well, I'll try, or something like that. And then he just goes back to his, his walking, you know. He doesn't even speak like a human. Um, but in the movie, as you would on a quest in mythology, you meet helpers and tricksters and people to distract you, do you see? And people to tell you you're crazy. You're wrong for doing this. You're a fool for doing this. So he has teammates telling him, hey, you're just thinking about yourself because there's no way you're going to beat that guy and we're going to lose points. Stay in your weight category. Win your weight category. We just forfeit those points, but we win overall. So people are doubting him. You're crazy. You're not going to do it. He's going to break you. He's going to break your bones. Do you see that? Um, it reminded me when... when uh, when I went to, uh, when I was going to go to my Kenshisei program and the uh, people in the dojo I was training tried to stop me and go, hey, they're going to break your bones when you go there. And it was like, in my mind, it was all like, duh, you know, but to them, that was like, don't go, you shouldn't go then, do you see? That's why you had to go because 
you don't want to go. Do you get it? So he, people are telling him all this and, and distracting him, right? And the whole time what he does is he is just constantly training himself, constantly pushing himself. Do you see? He's, he's got a kind of asceticism to his training, wherein his wrestling classes is the smallest part of his training day, okay? So he goes to wrestle, and from wrestling, he runs to work. He's doing his exercises at work. Um, from there, he runs back home. And he does more workouts, do you see? And he's constantly working on getting better. To the point, as I said, that the, mon the minority of his training was with his coach, right? And when I look back at my own athletic career, yeah, that's how it was, okay? If you wanted to win, you can't wait for class. You can't wait for your coach to give it to you. You can't enter the best training program. That becomes supplemental to what you're trying to achieve, okay? And that makes sense in light of what we just said. The catalyst is in you. It's never outside of you. Do, do you understand? But as I watch the way that we're functioning, and even with my own sons, it's like you keep waiting for me to put awakening on a spoon and serve it to you. Do you see? Open your mouth. Here it comes. It doesn't come like that. It's, there's no 75-25. You'll just be doing kihon. You'll just be doing shu. You'll just be functioning through the ego tripartite. Okay. You have to get in this vision quest. You have to follow the way that you don't want to follow. That's how you know it. All the doubters, they're guideposts, right? All your doubt, that's a guidepost. You're going the right way, okay? I told you this before, but um, it reminds me of something that uh, a new internet friend I made, a, a follower of the podcast, okay? She's telling me um, that... You know, she found value in our training expectations and that she tries to do that for herself. So she tries to train as much as possible, okay? And she had a great, um, um, you know, distance to go from where she lives to where the dojo is. It's not easy. Um, I remember I told you when I was in Japan, it was sometimes that in order to train every day, I had to go to multiple dojos, and some of those dojo were uh, two hours away by train. Like, she's doing this, okay? It's not easy. Um, but she's young, and she's in, in, in university, okay? And she, you get good, right? Because you're following the law of reps. The one who does the most reps is going to get the most skill, Okay. And, you know, you can kind of think about that in, in this perspective. So um, the, because the ego tripartite is functioning and it seeks pleasure over pain and comfort over discomfort 
and training more and more and more is often painful and not comfortable, we all have a propensity to take days off. Do you see that? Um, and what makes us different from the next person is that when we all have that propensity, we don't. Do you see? In order to become something other than what most become, I must act unlike them. Okay? So here she is, and she's doing that, and she's yielding the fruits of that. Well, the seniors, probably all older people, right, start to get on her over it. Okay? Why do you think they would get on her over this? It's threatening, right? She's doing the work. She's yielding the results. The ego tripartite feels threatened, and so they try to stop her because if they could control her, they would feel better. That's their delusion, do you see? So they're like, they try to diminish it. They, will, they try to say, well, you're in university, so you could go ahead and you can work out more because you have free time. You see that? They're not realizing, mm, it's not really like that. It's not like that. And so I repeat this story because we have younger kids here, and maybe you haven't heard this story. So remember in my past, I, I was training at, you know, Olympic hopeful level. And there came a time when I was doing university college work, and another competitor that didn't live too far from me had dropped out of school and started to get faster than me, okay? And I was doing the same thing. Oh, man, if I didn't have to go to school, I could train all day, okay? And so I talked to my mom, and I was like, look, this is my shot. You know, I'm in my, my prime here, and I, I already got the, the Olympic training camp invites. Come on. And she said, okay. And I, I didn't go to school anymore, and if you remember, I was all like, okay, he's training eight hours a day, I'm going to trade eight hours a day. So the first day, yeah, made it, eight hours a day. Second day, oh my God, I'll do six. Next day, four. And then the, the fourth day, I wake up, but I'm on the couch. And I'm just sitting there, right? And my, I was living with my girlfriend at the time. And she comes out and, you know, she was just awesome. She's like, I thought you were working out today. And I was all like, oh, my God, can you get the knife out of my soul here, right? What I learned is that training is not a matter of available time. Do you see? It is not a matter of available time. And it's those people who are not disciplined who, be, who, who believe it is so that they can remain undisciplined, uncommitted, okay? So, you, you know, what? there is a reflection somewhere out there in one of the annual reflections where um, when I learned that lesson and I could start building up the discipline, the sacrifice, and the commitment, and then I went to the university, and I kept up the hours, right? And so now uh, the non-students 
who were making other excuses or the students who were making excuses now could not make the excuses because I was a student now, do you see? And then they were like, oh, well, you're not in grad school. Well, then I was in grad school and I kept the same schedule. Well, you don't have a wife. Then I had a wife and I kept the same schedule. Oh, you don't have kids. Then I had kids and I kept the same schedule. Well, you don't have a real job. You're just an academic. Then I got a real job. And well, you don't have shift work. Then I got shift work and I kept the same schedule, do you see? It's in you. It's not outside you, okay? And none of those choices are easy, but that, that is the direction you go. That is your vision quest. To do an aestheticism is to, is to use the guidepost of discomfort, of fear, of pain, of fatigue. Do you see? And to use that roadmap so that you separate yourself from all the others, including your other self, who follows the way of the world and the way of the ego tripartite and seeks pleasure and comfort and breaks. Do you see? You want to be the ascetic. To be the ascetic is to have responsibility for the catalyst. It is within you. It's not outside you. It's not in your teacher. It's not in your dojo. It's not in your art. So you can never say Aikido is spiritual. What is the only thing you can say? Yeah. My Aikido is spiritual. Do you see? That's it. I am spiritual. Aikido... Who gives a shit what Aikido is? It's what is my Aikido? Okay? And we have the path before us, and we have the means, and we have the environment, but it's up to us whether we're going to use it or not. Okay? And you can't be afraid. You can't be afraid because fear is my lit path. Fear is my lit path. That is, if you go, what is the way of the warrior? And you'll hear, oh, the way of the warrior is the way of death. Okay. I get it. But it's because death is fearful. You, it makes more sense, maybe, to us if we go, the way of the warrior is the way of fear. It is the following of my fears. Because that is the event. That is the control event. I use, where I practice the skill of release, where I enter into ecstasy. So I continue to increase the intensity because those things generate the fear that causes the attachment. If I don't do this, I'm just exercising. This concludes this episode of Budo, the Way of the Warrior podcast. For more information, please visit sentiencenter.com, S-E-N-S-H-I-N-C-E-N-T-E-R.com, or find us at Facebook at Sension Center and on our YouTube channel at Sension One. Thank you for listening.